Welcome to Weekday Worship. Yes, sir. I'm back in my proper place. Mm. You, you made an You've executive decision last week. I did week totally to make an, an executive to decision. have an episode. Last minute. I knew nothing about. Did you listen? I did. Ah, so I you did. heard your you heard and your name? I heard my name slandered. Wow, slandered? Yeah. By Not by this host. Not by that host. You know, there's been, um, uh, there's been some... Talk of replacing. There, like the reviews are in. I'm told on uh, Andrew Hickson's uh, guest hosting. You boys can appearance. have at it. <laughs> you know, you boys can have at it. It will be a much different podcast. It would totally be a much different podcast. It would basically be your back porch. Yeah. So, like, did you have a moment when you were listening to it where, like, your inner Will Smith was provoked? Uh, when you heard your yeah, name when, slandered, when he when he's talking about crushing me at his gym, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm gonna be the bigger man here. Walking up on stage and slapping him <laughs> publicly. <laughs> you really want to get to that? Don't I, you? No, I don't. I love, you and I just love celebrity <laughs> gossip. So sure, yeah. G- yeah. Give me your uh, give me your uh, hot take on Will Smith, Chris Rock this this last weekend. Eve. You know what makes it weird? It like it's, <laughs> there's a great many things. It's like because it, you you see all these people online, oh, you know, rah rah and like you can't um, have a, for the record, you cannot have a podcast this week and not mention this I guess, incident. I guess yesterday at school, me and all the seminarians were like, just please don't TGC or Desiring God write an article about how like <laughs> how to redeem this, you know. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I can totally see that coming uh-huh. out. Yeah. Although it's a little late if it comes out now. So yeah. Yeah. It would have been too, like by Tuesday that would have had to come out. No, it's a strange, uh, what a strange moment. Oh man. In, uh, totally bonkers. History. Yeah. It's yeah. like so weird. Uh, anyway. So yeah, you were slandered. You felt like I was slandered about the gym thing. Yeah. So are you saying it, it, slander implies that what was said was certainly it was false? Un, it was untrue. It reminded me of something that happened to me in high school. <laughs> Do tell. Give, give us a flashback to mm-hmm. So when I was in high school, life at Hebrew. there was, a, uh, there was a, a local park. It was very nice that a bunch of kids from different high schools would hang out at, play basketball at, have volleyball courts. It was kind of a fun spot. You know, yeah. Everybody goes there. The, the mean streets of Hamilton yeah. Mill. Yes, it was. It actually was in <laughs> Hamilton Mill. It's called Duncan Creek Park in Hamilton Mill. Yes. 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 Oh, my gosh. Um, the Bel Air of <laughs> North Atlanta. Sure. <laughs> and at this, you know, at a, at a, at a park at a, where there's basketball courts, you've got usually one or two full-length courts yep. where the, the guys who are good play. And you've got the half courts <laughs> where guys who – aren't going to get picked to play in the full court games are going to play. Yeah, they can still play a little game of yeah. three and on three. So me and some of my high school teammates, particularly two, one, one of my friends, we were playing on the full court. We played all the time. Because you're a legit uh, baller. Yeah, and we were, we were done playing, but then we saw two of our friends from, uh, from high school playing on the small court who were not good at basketball. And they challenged us to play them. Mm. Two on two, Threw and we knew it. this was going to be hilarious. Like you know, it was, it was going to be a yeah, smacking, man. right? I think we beat them like fifteen to zero. And I walked into school that next Monday. This was on a Friday night, and people are coming up to me and telling me how they heard that my friend, that those two guys who are terrible at sports, gave you a run, beat us at beat basketball. You. Wow. Multiple people come. Not up even that me. they gave you like not not even that like it was a it was a close game like they actually won that, that they actually won. Okay, and so the whole school was thinking that we we were embarrassed by these kids who've never played basketball in their life. All eighty six of you. He had um, he had just created this whole. This was fake news before there was fake news. Right. <laughs> we were so mad. <laughs> we. We were furious. You were so worked we up were, over we this. We were furious. Uh, so we this... had the PE coach open the gym after school 
and have everyone come to see a oh, a little see, meet me in the parking yes, lot, yes, kind of moment, yes, and. Uh, we beat them and everybody came. Else. Yeah, that's how I felt when Andrew was talking about how he crushed me at the gym. So the equi- So what I hear you saying is that you and Andrew in his back, his garage gym together, um, is the equivalent of you winning fifteen zero on the blacktop. Those are your words. Well, it was your metaphor. It was your it was it your is, memory, your that, your comparison to a scenario. I just want to make sure I'm getting the... that. That was what was going through my mind. Okay. When I heard this. So you feel strongly in a different direction that the I gym do. goes and like kind of looks do. differently than, than Andrew's rendering. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Yes. The councilman has been called out. Yes. Um, can we get any fact checkers on this? <laughs> I'm wondering if Tommy has been in the gym with you guys. No, Chris Beard has Chris, been in the gym. Chris maybe has. we could get, I'd like Chris Beard to maybe provide a fact check uh, on well, this. We'll, we'll be there tomorrow night, so. Well, I mean, we don't really need tomorrow night, do we? Because there's already he's already been there. Yeah. Excuse me. Uh, so so maybe a fact check uh, on who actually dominates who in the gym. Mm. Um, and by the way, what are you guys doing in the gym? <laughs> what do you mean? What are we doing well, in like, the gym? Normally, if you're in the gym and you're working out, it's not really a competition between two guys. I mean, well, are you guys we're sparring? Doing, we're doing, like, we're what doing is CrossFit. Happening? CrossFit. So that is competition. So the, there's usually oh, a workout, and it's usually you do the reps. As fast as you can, or you do as many reps within the time cap as you possibly can of okay. the exercises. Yeah, and it's it's competitive. So, um, it 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 seems so. Okay, so you guys are sort of competing from like manhood in the in the room, and um, I'm very secure in my manhood. And you've been to, emasculated, yeah, in a similar way to when you were 16 at Hamilton Mill, but no, only I've you've, been I've been besmirched. You're f- you're more secure now than you were then, so you're not so furious now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I let those things go a little easier. All right. Though I am defending myself on this <laughs> podcast that nobody cares. <laughs> nobody cares about. All right. All right. Well, hey, welcome back. I, I'm back. Yes. Welcome back. Yes. I had a good week. Good. Um, had a good Sunday. Yeah. We had a good service at church here. Uh, yeah. We're both heading out of town in the, for the coming week. Yes. Yes. Is it spring break for it is seminary break. students? It is spring break. Yeah, yes. for high school students as well. So yeah. and well, Gwinnett County. So we will be out of town for spring break. Yeah. Uh, will you be? Are you leaving Saturday to Saturday? So you will yeah. miss church this Sunday. I will. I will. I'm still a Christian, so I'll be there. Um, <laughs> and uh, my my vacations don't vacation from Christianity, but whatever. Yeah. Um, I'll be there and then leaving town right away after, straight mm-hmm. away. Um, so yeah, so there will be no pod next week unless no I pod. decide to record one on vacation with somebody that I don't warn you about. Mickey Mouse? I don't know. <laughs> Mickey <laughs> Mouse, yeah. We're going to Orlando. We're not going to Disney. Uh, actually, you know who will be with me? Uh, uh, Kevin Maynard will be in the neighborhood and maybe I'll have Kevin Maynard on for an episode. How about that? There you go. I got, I got a guest now. We, we can record mm-hmm. a podcast. And Kevin's a good man. He'd never besmirch me on the He on would the not. Air. He would not. Kevin doesn't besmirch anybody. No. Um, it would be particularly interesting with Duke playing in the Final Four if they make it to the title game. Maybe I could yeah. do a, a, a combo episode, like interviewing Kevin about some things and yeah. as a Duke alum, yeah. what it's like to watch Coach K. He had Coach K knock on his dorm room. Like when he was at Duke, Coach K got hired uh, to be the basketball coach there. And like he went door to door in the dorms to like introduce himself to students and so wow. forth. So Kevin has sure he hasn't done that in many years. Coach Gay probably has not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's accurate. Oh, uh, anyway. Oh, I did have a story that Tell I wanted to. That I was. I was when we this certainly ha- haven't had when a long this enough happened intro. live. I was like, oh, I've got to say this on the air. Oh, on Sunday after church. That's well, funny. I've never had a moment during the week where I've been like, oh, I want to talk about this on the podcast. Oh, I have that moment. Sometimes. That's funny. <laughs> you should text me so that we can make sure we don't miss those things. Yeah. So I was at I was at lunch after church with a wonderful guy that's now at our church, Ron Kim. Um, oh, love Ron. Moved here from California. Good dude. Great guy. We were at Zapata's in Norcross. Yeah. And shout out to Ron. Shout out to Ron. Um, and the a waiter from the restaurant in the back is like lo- like losing his mind running around the restaurant. <laughs> I. I thought, what's wrong? Well, they have like the open sort of kitchen where they put the things up on the yeah, counter. Yeah. Right? I, so I thought he was like, see. I thought he had to barf or something. <laughs> he was choking. Oh, gosh. He was choking. He had a food, piece of food stuck in the... Yikes. And uh, they had to call 911. 
and a, but a guy there knew the Heimlich, had him pumping for like 10 minutes. You're kidding. And finally... Did it boom? He got like projectile, it, but it didn't go very far because it, it was pretty dense, and so it, it, its velocity was. <laughs> it was pretty dense. What was it? I don't know. Which, don't by know. the way, the kitchen staff at Zapata is apparently eating the food. That I guess. Cooking. I guess. <laughs> but I've never seen that. I've only seen it in the movies. Right. I've never seen that in in, in person. I've yeah. never seen that live. It was yeah, scary. Like is, it was so scary. I'm sure. It, it was. Were they in the kitchen doing the Heimlich? Or no, they, they were like, right there in front, like, like the literally from room. like five minutes from here. Because the guy was literally running around the restaurant. He was like, he thought he was going to die. Like he was, and yeah. somebody from somebody in the restaurant eating knew the Heimlich. Somebody who was in, so it wasn't like another staff. No, member it, no, it was somebody eating at oh, the table man. next to us. Do you know who it was? Not a clue. And uh, yeah, finally got him. It was a, it was intense. Wow, I've never seen that in person. Did everybody clap for him? No, everyone was like, "Oh my gosh, what just happened?" <laughs> isn't that what we? Isn't that what's supposed to happen? Like in the movies, that's what happens, right? Everybody claps for the person who saved the person who was choking. Well, I'll make sure to start a clap the next time. So I you see said that. it was just it, like so. It's just everybody's kind of eerily quiet after it. Yeah, it was like. Like the Academy Should we Awards resume our conversation? You somebody know, like, punches somebody in the face. Yeah. <laughs> just Do we the just room keep falls going? silent. <laughs> what's the social, you know, <laughs> what's the social norm here? Oh, man. Post-Heimlich. Did the guy get up and go back to work? Huh? I think he went home for the day. <laughs> okay. I think he was done. I mean, he was, he was. Dude, he, he was, was very shaken, shook up. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was, I mean, it was tears streaming, so. Um, could we embellish the story just slightly and say that the person doing the Heimlich was Ron and that Ron saved his life? I don't think that's kind of that's the kind of news organization yeah, we are okay. around here. All right. Um, well, did you learn? Do you feel like if I started choking now that you could now perform the Heimlich on me? It would probably be unhelpful. Okay. It'd probably be better just to call a professional. <laughs> well, based on your workout regimen, you might crush my rib cage. So from what I, I hear, uh, this is a sidebar question. You know how I like to talk about food, and you mentioned zapatos. What'd you have? Uh, I had uh, like a. It's kind of a. Burrito without the tortilla. <laughs> I I was trying to go light. I usually get the mocha latte. Mocha hete? Yeah, mocha hete thing, Ooh, which is delicious. phenomenal. But it's oh, just so, so big. It's so it much giant. Stuff. Yeah, it's so and much. It, but it's so tasty. Yeah. If you go to Zapata, try the mocha hete. Yes, the cactus is the most surprisingly good yeah. thing in that thing. You eat the cactus? Oh yeah. I mean, I've tried Absolutely. it, but I don't, I don't, I don't love usually the eat it. This part. Yeah. Do you so. get the chicken or the steak or the shrimp? Steak. Or? Okay. Steak. Yeah. Mocajetes yeah. are super good, and then I love the chili quiles there. There you go. Sure. Uh, th- those are my two go-tos at Zapata. All right, there's our food tip of the week. Yep. All right, what do we do? What do we, we got to we get We were going, going back to something related to giving, I think. We were. Uh, we had talked about uh, some, uh, I, I don't want to say we talked about money, but we did talk about We kind uh, of framed the heart issues attitude around, around money. Yeah, heart and stuff around um, material wealth. and Yeah, uh, both the, the kind of the, the dangers and the sure. opportunities that come. Sure. Yeah. With what God has given us. So then two weeks ago, we talked about uh, an article that we had sort of uh, read and kind of interacted with. And then Andrew and I did last week. So we were mm-hmm. a couple weeks removed from this, but we wanted to return to something financial in that we yeah. wanted to talk about an idea that's introduced in the Bible, obviously, uh, that's familiar to many of us. To some we, in the Bible. Yeah. And we feel like maybe something that is, it might be too strong to say sloppily talked about or whatever, but I'm not sure it's responsibly always engaged with yeah. as an idea, and that is the idea of tithing. And I think it has to be talked about because I don't, like, I can't think of a sector of the evangelical church that where tithing isn't something most people know about. They may know about it differently, but it, it's a pretty prevalent, you can't talk about giving without tithing in some yeah. ways, just because of how it's a very big topic. Yeah. Um, and is utilized in very different ways in some sectors is. of the church. Yeah. Um, but it's very well known. Yeah. Like it's a very, like there's a lot of things in the Bible that are not well known in the sections that tithing is talked about, but most people know. like About tithing for Yeah, some they know reason. that word. Like that's a familiar <laughs> word to them, right. right? So why don't we start with define the word for us? Because this is another silly, like this is a pet peeve of mine um, in a silly sort of way. Like people refer to tithing very loosely with a... Uh, out, using it outside of the definition. I'll, I'll let you define it, and then I'll say how I think people usually use it. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know that I have a great definition for it. I mean, it's usually, I mean, some people associate it with a tenth. Um, others okay. associate it with simply a, uh, an obligated giving, a continual right. giving. Well, so it literally means tenth, mm-hmm. right? It is to give one-tenth 
of of your income. It's a it's a ten percent kind of thing. Yeah. And but I think most people use it much more loosely as just an idea of giving or an obligatory practice or the the word tithing and giving are almost synonymous. Well yes. it's used interchangeably though yes. they are not yes. interchangeable. I would agree. So I would agree with that. Okay. Um so where do we start other than that? Uh, so the way I wanted to approach this is not just start with, hey, this is what we think about it, yep. but maybe just bring up, honestly, anything I've read on tithing, it kind of goes through uh, different places where this is uh, argued for or against mm-hmm. in the Bible uh, and kind of makes its way to the New Testament, mm-hmm. um, almost like a biblical theology of, of something like tithing and what to do with it. Uh, so maybe just bringing up some of those passages, not really in depth, but just to trace a lineage of how, of how we would think through or uh, whether you are for or against tithing in a strict sense. Yeah. Um, just helpful to know the arguments, sure. if that makes sense. Because uh, I'm serious. This isn't, this isn't an issue that we're super dogmatic about or anything. And um, this, is a, this is a charitable conversation in the church with many no, brothers fact, and sisters. I'm who, not sure be surprised if you've ever heard us really mention the word tithing yeah yeah so um which maybe we can maybe today explains that a little bit yeah sure Um, sure so so usually when people think tithing they probably start with okay the commands in maybe uh, the mosaic law or Mm -hmm. the the law of the pentateuch uh for uh, specific uh instructions on what to give um but tithing is mentioned earlier than that in the Bible, mm-hmm. and uh, it can be um, brought up even as far back as something like uh, something like Cain and Abel. Uh, okay. I've heard I've heard this argument before. Of you see the the principle start to form of what uh, giving your first fruits looks like. Wow! Um, in that's the taking narrative. some liberties with the text, isn't it? Maybe. I mean, I think the first mention of tithing is. Yeah, I'm not. I could I'm, be again, wrong. again, again. We're we're trying to distinguish between giving and tithing. Sure. But, but if someone's going to make a biblical case for tithing, they're looking at the principles that begin to form around uh, something that gets close to tithing. So mm-hmm. they they would start somewhere like with Cain and Abel, where they're coming, and somehow Cain and Abel knew you give your first fruits um, to God mm-hmm. um, and what you have. Um, that seemed to be something that they saw as right and good and that God uh, uh, was obligating them to in some ways. Well, yeah, and I think within the ancient Near East, the, the sort of even pagan surrounding cultures of, that, of, of the ancient world were prone towards sacrifices as expressions of mm-hmm. worship to appease the gods, so to speak. So that was not, like the idea of sacrifices and so forth was not unique to, I don't think, to... To no, the God but, of the Bible. No, but um, God was definitely, he was definitely favoring for sure. Uh, Cain and Abel of bringing the, for sure. the first fruits of their of it, either the the. Am the, I right to say that the first mention of tithing or giving a tenth specifically is Abraham and Melchizedek? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I would say that's the first where you see that word, um, where you've got Abraham, he's bringing this uh, offering or tithe mm-hmm. specifically to the king slash priest Melchizedek who. Uh, King of Salem, right? Yes. And uh, that seems to be blessed by God. That was uh-huh. something that was, uh, was um, seen as good and right. Mm-hmm. And uh, many, someone, so this is, a, this is a big argument down the road in terms of some would argue that typifies, as you see in Hebrews 7, yeah. uh, the tithe to the ultimate high priest, which is Jesus. Right. Others say that because in the new covenant we are all priests, that the idea of giving a uh, your tithe to the priest is irrelevant because we're all beli- all believers are in the priesthood now um, through <laughs> okay. Christ. So it's an interesting thing yeah. where you go different things with maybe, what you maybe do next week we should do a deep dive on Melchizedek. <laughs> we did the I've done we've done that in our Hebrews. Many of our listeners who are in the Hebrew study uh, did some did some good work on Melchizedek. Oh, you talking about in the the in women's the, Bible study and men's? Remember, oh. we did the men's oh, you on guys Hebrews did that last, too. Yeah, okay. uh, last yeah. uh, fall cool. or spring, whenever it was. Sure. 
Okay, so yeah, James is right. First, first time you get to the actual word is so we find it in a narrative form, mm-hmm. just historically recounted uh, by Moses in the writing of Genesis that this is what Abraham did after mm-hmm. um, this was after he uh, was won a, essentially a battle, right, or mm-hmm. um, against these whatever kings, and so he ends up tithing. Uh, of the spoils or whatever he tithes, he gives a tenth to Melchizedek as an offering or whatever. So um, it doesn't come till later where it becomes something that is an explicit command, obviously, which is then embedded within the Old Testament. Well, there's a, there's a, there's, there's another mention okay. that specifically do God. So you've got Jacob in Genesis 28, okay. who is, uh, he says when, Jacob promises to give God a full tenth mm-hmm. um, in Genesis 28 as a, as a kind of a bless offering to God. Um, and that is uh, very blessed by God. Like that's seen as a, as, a, as a good thing where you have Jacob prom- promising to give a full tenth in uh, Genesis 28. Okay. Um, so again, I think that's important to see because I, I think some people on the side of Oh, tithing is only tied to in the Bible to the Mosaic law. You have instances of tithing happening to God pre-Mosaic yeah, law. Yeah, it precedes the law. Mm-hmm. And it is a sort of at least previously established standard that is seems to be affirmed um, prior to the law. Uh, I probably wouldn't go as far as say standard. I think this is another place where we where it's it's fuzzy, right? You've got Abraham and, and Jacob doing these, these ties, one to God, one to Melchizedek, and if you want to say that's a typified to Christ. Mm-hmm. Are we saying those are normative practices? Yeah, I, I guess think that's, that's hard to I, do. Yeah, that's not what I would, I, I don't necessarily mean that by standard. But there's, I mean, but like, there's, it, it there's seems a, to be a... a, 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 a positive um, examples. Yeah. Positive examples. And a cons- at least some measure of uh, consistency and um, a... a, a a starting place, let's say, <laughs> at least for, for what it looks like to give. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's important to point out that there are instances of tithing preceding the, the Mosaic law, uh, which is significant for mm-hmm. some who would want to say that this is embedded pre-Old Covenant law, if that makes sense, um, in the Mosaic sense. Uh but James is right. It actually doesn't really get codified in a in a serious way, where you actually see God giving standards of what this looks like, um, in an explicit sense, until you get to God forming the nation of Israel um, in the Mosaic Covenant, giving His law, giving lots of lots of standards um, around uh, what His people are to do. Very specific. Um, it's, these are not general things. On uh, what to do. So under the Mosaic law, there, there's actually three tithes. Uh, some scholars argue for way more. Like I mm-hmm. saw somebody arguing for like 12 different tithes over <laughs> a seven-year period that the people were supposed to give. Um, but as the most it, obvious as in 120% ones, of their income? <laughs> well, here's another big point, and here's where I think, like you said, some people talk about tithing pretty sloppily in, in how yeah. they're getting it from the Bible. So, so under the Mosaic law, there's there's three tithes. There's a regular tithe that supports the priest and uh, what's going on at the temple or the tabernacle. There's a festival tithe, which is uh, for celebrations or required feasts. Um, that's in Deuteronomy 12. And there's a charity tithe, which you give every third year um, to Levites, the sojourners, to the fatherless, and to the widow. That's in Deuteronomy 14. Uh, so if that's if that's true, if you see those three tithes, it's actually not 10% of the income they get. It's something more like 23%. And, and is that be, we get to that number through, because it's every third year you do the one and every... Yeah, scholars yeah. are doing okay. the math to, to sure. see uh, okay. what this would look like if you, when you see all those tithes together. Right, right. So this is where, again, trying to be dogmatic about a tenth is really on... It's, it's, I think you're really reading a lot into the word and how it's being used biblically, and it's pretty clear that it was much more than a tenth that was required of the tithe of um, in of, Israel. Well, yeah, in Israel, uh, at, at, in within the Old Testament 
nation state or, or, or ethnic people of Israel, what they were required according to the law of God. Yeah. Is that? I think I'm, it is unquestionable. I've never really seen anybody, even who's very pro tithing today, a scholars who would say that. Try to require today of people 23%. Well, uh, they, they would be honest. Uh, maybe not. I don't know how they would say that, but everyone's honest that it's definitely more than 10% of the people are giving. Right. So the idea of 10% is not a necessarily biblically uh, literate idea, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Uh, it's something more in the 20s. So, I mean, that's, that's what you get. That, and that, that's, a, that's the... That's the understanding of what was required of you in the in the, in the Mosaic Law in Israel, um, and so many would argue that yes, in some ways the the Old Covenant Law is is abrogated by Christ, is fulfilled in Christ, um, but that the principle of tithing uh, still remains. Um, in in a, in a in a much more rigid way in terms of a ten percent that God requires, um, uh, then it, it supports the the work of ministry, um, and it's to be given to the church. And a lot of people will turn to Malachi three, a very important passage on uh, thinking through what God has to say on tithing, um, mm-hmm. particularly giving. Um, though in this in Malachi three, it's definitely on tithing. Yeah. Some of you have never heard Malachi 3. Other of you growing up in churches, you maybe heard it a lot. Others of you, it's the only passage in Scripture you know. I heard Malachi 3 a lot when I was a, <laughs> uh, a young man. Um, oh but it's gosh. a serious passage. Like, when you read it, like, it, God accuses the people of robbing him. Right. Because they're not tithing. Right. Um, and, and it's not because they're not giving. Right. He, he, he's, con- he, he's judging them for not bringing the whole tithe into the storehouse is what he says. Mm-hmm. And so it seems like, you know, they're, they're nickel and diming God on their, their tithing obligation to the law, they're, from the, the obligation of the law to tithe. They're, they're sort of like, maybe they're going 9%, 8%, 9.5%, whatever. They're, they're shortchanging God. It's not like, yeah. it's not like they're giving nothing. His, his, his rebuke is over this sort of, holding back a portion of what they're supposed to be giving. Yeah. So when I, when I read Malachi 3, in the context of Malachi, there's no question it's talking about tithing in that instance. For sure. Uh, but the context of Malachi 3 is you have these people post coming back to, to uh, Jerusalem, post-exile, and they expected big things. Mm-hmm. They expected, uh, after hearing Isaiah, that they were going to come in and God was going to, you know, restore them, and it was, there were going to be lots of glory. They were going to basically uh, be king over the nations. They were going to have all this, uh, all this blessing, and it was all going to happen pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't. Mm-hmm. It actually kind of got worse. It was, it was, it was, their expectations were pretty dashed in mm-hmm. what they had. And they started talking like their response was, there's really no reason to serve the Lord because the wicked are, are actually prospering and we're not prospering. There's really, it's not practical to serve God. I'm not, get, I'm not better off economically or socially mm-hmm. than my pagan neighbors. They're actually doing better than me. Mm-hmm. So what's the point? Mm-hmm. And um, God is calling them, saying, one of the reasons why you're not getting is you, you're breaking my covenant mm-hmm. that I made with you. He's calling them back to their covenant in love, it says in, in Malachi 1. Um, but he's calling them back to the covenant he made with them, which is not necessarily the covenant he made with you and me. Right. <laughs> um, that requires these things. Uh, one, because he's already been faithful, mm-hmm. which is a good, well, that's true now, right? God calls sure. us to, to, to remember his faithfulness and respond to that. Um, but he's calling them to what it is specifically he's, he's commanded them to do, um, which was to tithe in that. Yeah, and and you know the other thing that that is often done with Malachi three is that that whole passage reads something like I'm I'm going to paraphrase probably, but um, you know he rebukes them for not bringing the whole tithe into the storehouse, mm-hmm. and then he he implores them, test me in this. Yeah, right. He 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 invites them to yeah. to test me in this and it's a see test of faith. if yeah if I won't open the windows of heaven. He says mm-hmm. that if, if you know something about if I won't re- rebuke the devourer and. 
and so his there's this sort of promise to Israel in that moment through Malachi 3 saying, look, if you'll be faithful in this, I will be faithful to you in these ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and so not only is that a primary uh, place scripturally where people will go to say, see here, we're supposed to breathe, bring our tithe into the storehouse. The storehouse is the local church. So you tie it to the local church as a as a minimum standard of giving is sort of mm. the way, the, the, the logic. And then they also incentivize it and they say, see, God invites us to test him in this and uh, see if he won't uh, open the windows of heaven and pour down blessing um, and, and rebuke the devourer. So, um, you know, and, and he'll make them fruitful and, and so forth. Um, and so this, this is not just a place where the command is sort of, derived from, mm-hmm. uh, but actually where it's incentivized and, and we're given the, the motivation, like, hey, God will do this if you will do this, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's that's sort of the way, though. Uh, I, I guess that pro-tithing people would approach this. Yeah, and I can amen to the fact that God, God giving is a test of faith. For sure. It is absolutely a test of faith, and it's yeah. one I think God calls all of his people at all time to. Yeah. Um, to trust him with our finances mm-hmm. yep. in faith by sacrificing um, in hope of a promise. Yeah. Uh, we can amen to that. Yep. And, can, and I think it's consistent with God's character to the, if you will live sacrificially, generously, and faithfully as stewards of what he entrusts to you, he will continue to faithfully entrust, you know, to you, though it may not I don't know that there's a way that we can quantify that, but yeah. but but in general, there, the the principle I think holds up m- much of the time. That uh, well, certainly, that as we are faithful, the Lord is not going to stop being faithful. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but His faithfulness might look different ways. Yes. At different times. For sure. So for sure. Okay, so I think those are the texts, and usually the the emphases that come out on the side of okay tithing we should still be doing this mm-hmm. in the way that uh, a, a required 10th yeah. um, usually is how that's framed. And there's, there's a lot of continuity between that, uh, that old Testament idea and uh, the new Testament church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, I, I think, I think we tried to pull out the, the best of that um, and acknowledge some of that argument. Here's, Here's where I think we would go. Here's here's here would our here would be our reservations to making a one-to-one continuity between tithing and the new church, New Testament church today. Um, is one, it's just so clear from the scriptures in the New Testament that the Mosaic covenant has been fulfilled in Christ. Yes, like that. That is, that's just so clear. And it seems that we most New Covenant mm-hmm. uh, believers would affirm that. Yes. I think and so. they would, and they would adapt this sort of certain like standards, let's say, or, or uh, aspects of the law. They would see, they would feel freed from other old Testament law requirements mm-hmm. while still holding to this one in a yes. sort of inconsistent way. Yeah. And not, maybe not even holding into it in a, in a, what I would call an un, uh, fulfillment way. Mm-hmm. Like there's ways in which we hold to uh, lots of the biblical commandments in a fulfilled way. Something sure. like worship on the Sabbath, yeah, um, which is now fulfilled in the Lord's Day. There's, there is a continuity between the Old Testament Sabbath and the New Testament Lord's Day, sure. but it's not one-to-one, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's, a, there's something that's been fulfilled and honestly enhanced right. in the Lord's Day. Now that the Sabbath is not on the last day, but it's rather on the first day because all the rest is like the work has already been done on the first day of the week in Christ, right? And that, which is an amazing theological thought, right? But so there's continuity, but there's fulfillment that takes it farther, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so in something like tithing, uh, we're not saying the Bible throws this out. We're actually saying it's been fulfilled in Christ and actually enhanced through the New Testament principle of. We've been given all in Christ, and now we're called to give with generous hearts um, that could go beyond any numbers given by the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not under compulsion. Right. So there's, uh, we're, uh, you, how many times is tithing specifically mentioned in the New Testament? You tell me. Yeah. So it's, 
seven, I think, mentions of tithing. Four of those are in one single chapter mm-hmm. in a sequence of verses in Hebrews chapter seven. Yeah. And then the other three are mentioned in the Gospels twice in parallel passages, one from Matthew, one from Luke, where Jesus is rebuking the Pharisees who tithe of their, uh, their, their uh, mint, cumin, spices, and so forth. And, and while neglecting, he says, the weightier matters of the law. And then he says, you should have done that while not neglecting these other weighty matters of justice yeah. and compassion and mercy and so forth. Yeah. Um, so that's mentioned twice. And then the, the other time is when Jesus is interacting with, uh, or, uh, it, with the rich young ruler. And he, uh, the rich young ruler asks, you know, what must he do to enter the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus says, you must, uh, um, uh, he says something about uh, the, the law or whatever. And he goes, oh, well, I've, I've kept the law from my youth, mm-hmm. right? And he mentions specifically, like, I've tithed and so forth. Yeah. And, uh, and Jesus says, well, then one thing you haven't done is sell all your possessions and give to the poor and then come yeah, follow yeah. me. Um, and so those are the only mentions of tithing in the new Testament. Um, and so certainly there is no, um, <laughs> there's, it's certainly not obvious in the new Testament that this, uh, this idea of tithing is being um, reinforced mm-hmm. as a strict sort of standard of how we approach giving. Yes, I, I would say so because, again, this is hard to do without doing some serious <laughs> theology in terms of how we're, how we're understanding the, uh, the, the new covenant, the old covenant, the kind of... Uh, before Christ, the interplay, after Christ, yeah. those sorts of things. Like so, when you th- when you think of how the what Christ is getting across in his in his life, when he's still talking to people who are obligated to the covenant that those in Malachi three were, mm-hmm. and he's trying to pull out and and uh, really turn their heart um, to their sin and mm-hmm. what they need to do in their uh, in the the covenant God has given them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really important to remember that and also remember that after Christ has inaugurated his new covenant um, and uh, on the cross and the resurrection that it's not necessarily a one-to-one between those he, how he was talking to those before and how, how he's talking to those in the new. But there are continuities in what he's trying to get across to the heart. Sure. So take, for, for instance, you think about when he talks about in Matthew 5. Yeah, Sermon on the Mount. Yes, with your brother, he says, if you're offering a sacrifice in the temple and your brother, and you have something against your brother, go make it right with your brother before you finish that, that thing on the altar, right? Sure. We would never say, okay, Jesus says I need to go make altar sacrifices and make it right with my brother. But we would also wouldn't say, oh, because he's talking about altar sacrifices, that makes this passage irrelevant to me. There's a heart principle mm-hmm in what he's saying on, if I'm coming to worship now in the new covenant where the sacrifice has been done once and for all, mm-hmm. um, and I'm in God's presence, uh, offering my bodies as spiritual sacrifices, Paul says, mm-hmm. and I have something wrong with my brother, I need to go fix that. Right. We see the continuity in what Jesus is getting across in our hearts, but we see a distinction in its interplay in what was required in the old covenant and what mm-hmm. was what's now required in the new covenant, sure. if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think tithing fits into this yeah. paradigm. Yeah, so... Um, so what is then the, the, uh, the principle or the, wh- where do you see the continuity then with tithing? Uh, I would say offering to God, uh, your best, mm-hmm. your first fruits, okay. your, uh, God expects you to trust him, um, with what he has given you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's, that's so clear. That's pre-Mosaic law that's through New Testament. It's, it's just, it just yeah. runs through the heart of the Scriptures. Yeah, so it's a principle of just simply, yeah. at, at a simple level, it's just yeah. that we are to be a generous people. Yes, and it's just really hard for me to be thinking, I really value consistency in how I think about the Bible. Mm-hmm. If, if I think I'm being inconsistent uh, in one way to, to clear up something else, then it's hard for me to get on board with that. So when mm-hmm. someone wants to push the idea of strict tithing on me and one, not do it in the, the multiple tithes given. So something like 20 plus percent, mm-hmm. 
or in a way that makes me basically cherry pick out of the Old Testament law. I just have a hard time as someone who wants to read the Bible consistently, really grabbing onto that mm-hmm. with any integrity, if that right. makes sense. But I have no problem seeing that in all of God's saints and all of God's people, um, from Abraham, from, from Cain and Abel, mm-hmm. to uh, believers in the Corinthian church that Paul is speaking to, to us today, seeing that God requires and He desires our first fruits and expects us to trust Him with what he's given us. Um, and, and and I think in many ways, like, you know, so again, if you go back to Matthew 5 and Sermon on the Mount, another aspect of that where we see Jesus interacting with the law versus the inauguration of his kingdom and, and so forth, he, he says that you've heard it said, uh, don't commit adultery, mm-hmm. right? Old Testament, like it's 10 commandments. Like yeah. that's, that's pretty important. Yeah. And, and then he says, but I'm telling you, you're not to look at a woman lustfully, and if you do, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Yeah. And in the same breath, he says, uh, you've heard it said, do not murder, but I'm telling you, don't hate your brother in your heart. Yes. Right? So what's Jesus driving at? He's driving at what you were talking about before. He's, he's, he's going after the heart. Yes. And, he's, he's, uh, and, and so I think if we were to extend that idea out to something like tithing, he might say something like, and I'm, I'm, I'm not quoting Jesus here, but I, I think part of what we might see this as is like Jesus would say, you've heard it said, you know, tithe, give a whole tithe to the storehouse, yeah. let's say. But I'm telling you something like live generously out of your heart, Yeah. right? Now, in any of those cases, in both of those cases, I should say, of, of adultery and murder, Jesus isn't, he's setting us like, well, the law holds, like the moral standard is there, but he's Absolutely. actually raising the bar. Yes. Right? So generosity, I think, is a higher standard than 10%. Yes. That does not mean it must be more than 10%, mm-hmm. but generosity is an issue of the heart yes. that must be continually tended to. Yes. And you might, you might be at a certain point in your life where giving 3% of your income is more generous than at another point in your life giving 20% of your income. Because mm-hmm. um, generosity is something that isn't quantifiable. Yeah. It, it's something um, that it, it's much more complicated than that yes. at, at some level. Which is an important point because I think one of the, to me, sometimes one of the downsides to settling on a strict tide is that it makes you believe that I've checked this box and so yes. I don't really have to revisit it ever. Right. Right. It kind of like, I, I've kind of, this is a formula I've, I've done, you know, what I'm supposed to do. And I don't really have to ever check my heart on giving because I'm, I'm fulfilling that standard. Yeah. And I just see the New Testament. And it is, and Jesus is past that. Right. And because, so giving as, you know, you mentioned presenting our bodies as living sacrifices yeah. to God. So giving is supposed to be an expression of worship. Mm-hmm. So if at any point we are emotionally uh, mentally, like in every way, detached from our giving, and we don't even think about it, and we're not like we we get no joy out of it. We don't mm-hmm. like it's just a it's sort of an empty ritual that we do. Mm-hmm. We may not be actually worshiping God, even though we might be giving a yeah. certain uh, yeah. sum of money that is that is a lot. Even yeah. Um, yeah. God is concerned with our heart. Now, that's yes. not to say if your heart isn't in it, stop giving. I mean, there, mm-hmm. the, you know, we, cause we see in the Bible, a lot of the, the both and of like, sometimes we need to just do follow God's yes. like commands or, or obey Jesus. Yes. And then we, the joy comes after. Yes. And other times it's like, because our heart is in it, we do it. That's yes. the highest form of obedience yes. is, is a love for God that, that manifests in mm-hmm. ob- joyful obedience. And I think we would both acknowledge that there's a lot of, there's a lot of people who believe strongly with, believe strongly in tithing, and it has been very positive to, for them to be consistent mm-hmm. and faithful in giving, and um, there's a lot to be commended in having a consistent principle that you're committed yep. to through thick and thin, whether you feel it or not, whether you, like, mm-hmm. that is, that is to be commended, and we, we champion that. I, there's a lot of people who, I think, who throw off tithing, and it honestly becomes an, an excuse not to really just not to do anything because they think we're under under grace, not under law. And right. Like there's a lot of that. Like we can acknowledge that. Sure. I um, mean, we want to live in that tension. Right. right? 
um, I think there is something to consistency in having a principle and, uh, and obligating in that way. But we also want to wrestle in the tension that the scriptures in the New Testament seem to call us to, again, a fulfillment of the law and an enhancement of it. Right. And, and so if you go to a past, I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll say this. I've said it many times. I say it in Sunday conversations when we do this with newcomers and we talk about giving. And one of the things I always want to encourage people towards is that, that there seems to be a, um, some characteristics, let's say, or traits of generosity, according to 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. And this isn't tithing, right? Paul is in, is asking the Corinthian church to give to their Jewish brothers and sisters who mm-hmm. are in um, in, uh, in in kind of a, a poverty state. Uh, they're they're growing, undergoing persecution and so forth. And so there's this opportunity to give that he's as he's doing his missionary journeys and he's coming to different cities. He's asking the brothers and uh, and sisters in one city to give to the for the Jerusalem church. So he's doing this collection and mm-hmm. and he implores the Corinthian church in Second Corinthians eight and nine. He's inviting them to participate in that um, in that dynamic in that in that uh, uh, in that collection. And in that, he seems to, to, as he characterizes the generosity, number one, he says, I'm not saying this is a command mm-hmm. in terms of like that you have to give and mm-hmm. how much you have to give. He, he is saying, he does say though that, that um, well, he motivates their giving first and foremost with an appeal to the gospel. Mm-hmm. And, and so generosity is to flow out of this reality that yeah. for our sake, he who is rich made himself poor. Yeah. So that in our poverty, we might be made rich. Yeah. Okay. That's the motive. That's the sort of gospel impetus for our generosity. And then he kind of outlines a, a sort of, I think, approach to giving that I think we can, we can get our heads around that that's not legalistic, but mm-hmm. that does give us something to at least filter our own hearts through. And that is that there seems to be uh, something of the, that giving should be something we do regularly. Mm-hmm. That giving is something we should do sacrificially, and giving is something we need to do joyfully. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, uh, regularly meaning there needs to be some degree of consistency here. Why is that important? Well, I think because otherwise, mm, here's what ends up happening: you you end up spending, like, you end up establishing a standard of living financially, economically, mm-hmm. based on income and other factors and, and, and that kind of thing. And what often happens is people will, let's say you, um, uh, like you're going to finish seminary in a couple of years and you're going to start working and you're going to get a paycheck. Next year, Lord willing. Jeez, a <laughs> couple of years. What did I say? Yeah. Okay. Next year. And, um, and so, uh, so you'll start working and now all of a sudden your household will be a two income household, presumably. Mm. Now there may be other factors that would keep you at one income. I don't know. Um, but this podcast could blow up. And right. I so, but let's say that you're a two income household. Well, what would the natural movement be? You would probably change your standard of living. That's, mm-hmm. that's what most mm-hmm. people do. They start making more money. They have a new standard of living. So yeah. you up your expenses, you get a, maybe a better place to live, mm-hmm. a nicer car. If you were holding on to an older car, motorcycle, whatever jacuzzi. And, and so I think one thing that we have to continually consider is that if we're going to assume an increased standard of living, um, it would seem to me that we also ought to be very considerate of, and maybe even assuming that we would also increase our standard of giving. Yes. Um, so giving should be a part of our matrix and in, in putting together our budget and our order yes. of life and finances and so forth. Um, it, so there should be some regularity with that. And, and then sacrifice, uh, sacrificial, like mm-hmm. we should feel it. Yeah. While it should be joyful, you should also feel a measure of like, ah, oh, if I do this, I can't do this. Yeah. I can't save as much money or put this much into my 401k or I can't yeah. take that trip. I or think I can't that, get that, that is, that is the, that is underneath the surface what Jesus is pointing out when he sees the woman go and give, she's got a, she's got just a little the bit, widow's to give, but the old, but the rich people are giving lots, but it's not really hurting them. Right. I think yeah. that's the, because Jesus isn't so concerned with volume, right? He's concerned with worship and heart mm-hmm. and surrender and trust and these other aspects of things. And so when we're sack, when, when, if giving, like if you're, if you're a multi multi-millionaire and you mm-hmm. give a larger sum of money than anybody else in your local church, mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily mean you're being generous. Mm-hmm. Right, because if generosity is sacrificial, the question would be: 
are you giving to an extent that you're giving anything up? Yeah. Or are you still affording everything that you can and would, and you're only giving out of, let's say, uh, mm -hmm. a, a large sum of disposable income, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. And so Jesus seems to want us to feel a, hey, I'm giving up this access to this earthly comfort yeah. or material convenience and so forth so that I can advance the kingdom of God and I can, I can supply for the people of God and, and yeah. the ministry of the word and mm -hmm. so forth. Yeah. Um, and then joyful. And, yeah. and that this is supposed to be something that we're glad to do and find joy in doing because as we give generously, the gospel's going forward, uh, disciples are being made, the kingdom is, uh, uh, is advancing, um, the word of God is being proclaimed, the worship of God is expanding um, as it should, and, and God is receiving more glory because of our participation in this exercise. So yeah. that's, is that, I mean, I, oh, yeah. like give, give me some feedback on that or, or add to that. No, like, I, I, that's how I think we need to think about it. Yes, giving. yes. And it requires Christian maturity to not necessarily need those just simple, give me 10%. Right. It requires Christian maturity and wisdom to assess your own heart and yes. be able to do this. And to do so continually, right? Yes. That and you don't do just so decide at this point, this is what I give, and that's just decided now mm -hmm. for the rest of my life. Yeah. You have to continually bring this before the yes. Lord. And, I mean, Paul was not opposed. He definitely was very comfortable taking the heart principles of the Old Testament law and using them to pull... Uh, this sort of giving heart out of the people of the New Testament mm -hmm. church. So when he, we talked about in 1 Corinthians 5, don't muzzle the ox. Right. He's making a correlation to don't starve your preacher. Yeah. Right? Don't Amen. Starve the, <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> don't starve your preacher. Yeah. <laughs> but he's totally comfortable doing that, right? Yeah. Is, is yeah. pulling, the, and, the, and again, this is helpful as we think about just reading our Bibles. The, Paul is completely comfortable looking at Old Testament law around something like giving and saying, where in its New Testament fulfillment and enhancement is this useful to point me towards God in all of the scriptures? And something like, uh, don't muzzle the ox. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. So we should read our Bibles that way. <laughs> in terms of, like, what I, what I don't want people to hear is when we say that the Old Covenant has been fulfilled, it's like, oh, skip over that part when I read in the scriptures. Mm -hmm. um, I think we want to point people to its general equity, but also we want to, I mean, this is wrapping up here. We want people, as they think about all of these topics in the Bible, all of these commandments, um, even something like tithing or giving, to, we want them to point you to Christ. Mm -hmm. First, we would say in something like tithing or giving, Jesus has fulfilled it by, by being the perfect obedience of the law for you. And showing you, without his help, you can't do any of this. Mm -hmm. So when, when, when James is talking about Matthew and Matthew uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, and how Jesus is taking those things that most of those, a lot of those Israelites thought, man, I've got this down. I've checked these boxes. He's showing them, in God's standards, you haven't. Mm -hmm. Something like adultery. There's a lot of men there who had never cheated on their wives. Yeah. But every single one of them had thought, so had sexual thoughts about other women. Right. And Jesus is saying, you can't do this. Right. You can't do this. And he, he's going to say, eventually, in his life and in his death, I did this for you and paid your penalty. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing Jesus is doing with the law, mm -hmm. is showing you your inability you, to keep You it. cannot do it. I, I, there has to be someone who comes and keeps this for you. Right. But then, with his new covenant administration, when he fulfills that law by obeying it for you, he sends his spirit in that enhancement of making it larger in something like uh, the, this generous idea of giving that's much larger and much harder than just 10% in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. Or something like uh, not just not committing adultery on your wife, but actually learning how to have sexual integrity in your own brain. Yeah. Like he sends his spirit in that enhancement to say, by my supernatural recreation of you as a Christian, I'm going to help you take the law where it has never been. Right. And, and part of the, I, I want to say, if I can, well, two, th two things I want to say. One is a, a, a reflection on something that I find beautiful about tithing. Mm -hmm. um, but first, just to piggyback on what you're saying. Um, when Jesus fulfills this, 
he fulfills this in the 100% offering of himself. Yes. And so really what we need to get past is thinking in terms of what percentage of income. Now, I'm not saying, obviously, we have to make decisions about that Mm -hmm. and then adopt some sort of practices or approach to that. And then I think we need to continually bring that back to the Lord. But but the issue here is that Jesus wants 100% of your heart. Yes. Not 10% of your money. Yeah, because Jesus didn't... He didn't give 10% of himself. Right. He, in his fulfillment of this, he gave 100% of everything he had yes. and what he was. So he's held nothing back from us. So we're to hold nothing back from him. And a part of the expression of our total surrender and offering of ourselves to Jesus is a generous approach to our stewardship. Yes. Um, so that's one thing. The, here's one thing that I love about the tithe and that I think is really beautiful and and, and it's sort of the, the way... Okay, it, let's just think Old Testament Israel. When you have this big, broad community, people with different aptitudes and income levels mm-hmm. and, and, and so forth, different, different levels of uh, prosperity, mm-hmm. what the tithe does is it lets everybody who's a participant and member of the community make their required contribution to the community and hold their head high. Yes. So there's a social dynamic that we're all aware of, right? Mm-hmm. Where wealth creates this disparity yes. and it creates classes, yes. right? Every, every, uh, um, uh, every state, let's say, or every country, every, yeah. uh, every culture has a class yeah. structure. I mean, Isra- is, Israel had this problem. The New Testament church had this problem. Sure. We have this problem. Yeah. So, uh, so economic disparity and, 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 uh, socioeconomic class mm-hmm. is always something that comes up within any social environment. Yes. And part of what the tithe does is it takes people who are situated differently in this hierarchy mm-hmm. and it puts them in members as members of the same community on a totally even playing yeah. field. It levels it. Yeah. At, 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 so these class distinctions, like when the widow, uh, the widow's might, like when she brings in her meager gift mm-hmm. of like a single coin or whatever, yeah. and then, you know, the, the millionaire you know, whatever mm-hmm. comes in and he brings his full tithe or whatever. Mm-hmm. It, like that practice is a way of going, Hey, n- nobody here is better. Yeah. Nobody here is higher. Yeah. We all bring, we all make our contribution and do our part. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it, and it brings about a sort of equity in the, yes. among the people of God. Yes. So I do think that there's something beautiful about yeah. that. That's again, I, I'm Shocker, not God's law is beautiful. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> commanding or the Bible's not commanding this. Yeah. So I'm certainly not trying to command that, but I am saying that if we approach giving in a way like this, mm-hmm. where we recognize like, Hey, um, class distinction, it's another way in which that gets eradicated within the family of God. Yes. And so that those earthly markers that would otherwise divide us mm-hmm. get, get sort of erased and we come together as one body. Yeah. Yes. Amen. And, I mean, I hope you guys hear this as we're, we're saying, we're, we're trying to um, move beyond tithing in the way it's usually talked about. We love God's law. We love it. Like yeah. David says, <laughs> I meditate on your law day and night. Right. We love it. Right. We want to use God's law, but we want to use it and, and embrace it in a way that sees Christ's risen work on it. Right. Um, and all that said, you can go to the Generations app and click on the giving tab. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I want to end here. So we have this, uh, one of our, uh, we have a fund called the uh, 8-7 Initiative Fund that mm-hmm. we started a couple of years ago that was for sort of over and above initiatives that we had beyond our regular sort of operational budget. Yeah. Um, and I won't go into all the details of that, but I, I, I'm just, I'm mentioning that only to say that it's, that comes from 2 Corinthians 8-7, mm-hmm. same passage on giving. And we'll end here. That that uh, here's what here's what uh, Paul says. Um, he says, "But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you." So he's go- he's affirming the Corinthian church for excelling in all these different ways of life together. Mm-hmm. Right, the way that they believe in in Christ, their pursuit of doctrine, the way that they talk about the gospel, about each other, about the beauties of Christ and all earnestness, like they've got this zeal for the faith and, and so forth and their love and everything. Mm-hmm. He says, as you excel in everything, in all these areas, see that you also excel in this act of grace also. Yeah. And he's talking about the grace of giving. Yeah. And so I just want to, 
just remind our people that it's like every other area of discipleship, Mm -hmm. an area that God is calling us towards maturity in, Mm -hmm. um, towards obedience in, towards a total surrenderedness in, and he calls us to excel in that. Here's, this is something I said a couple years ago when we started that 8-7 initiative fund. It's something that I think holds true today. I think that we excel in a great many of the things that he mentions, actually. I could say I think we excel in faith, in speech, in love, in knowledge, in those things. Pursuit of doctrine. And, um, and so I would just love to see us, as Paul is inviting the Corinthian church, I would just love to, to invite us to also excel in this grace of giving. And I think as a, young, as a church that's predominantly comprised of younger people at this point mm-hmm. uh, is the majority, that it, it's not a natural impulse to be generous. Yeah. Um, and so let's recognize that this is an area that as we mature in all these other areas, it's an area that we need maturity in as, as, as a lot of younger people, as you're getting career started, as you're mm-hmm. forming families. And yeah. um, it's, a, it's a season of life where you're learning and you're developing habits and practices and mm-hmm. patterns that you will hopefully hold on to for the rest of your yeah. life and build upon. And this one can't be neglected. Yeah. Amen. All right, y'all. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Thank you.